When you see me lost in wandering eyes Just walk on by With the driest of a mouth and a lie Just walk on by I've been I, I guess I don't have to. Javier usually does the yo. Yeah, maybe he, maybe <laughs> you can, can yo. You can yo us out. <laughs> he can splice. He can splice it in. That was a good yo. Um, so we are here today with um, Joseph uh-huh. and uh, our frequent friend, frequent flyer Drew. Cool. I uh, get the to miles talk, to talk about uh, their new. Pro- I guess yeah, it's pretty new. New project uh, band. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's a band. Well, you guys it's are playing a, a show, which we'll get to later. We got members. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're a new band, Judas Knife. Um, as you're listening to this, the record will be out. So you will be able to listen to it on, you know, the usual spots. But also um, you should order the record or see if the record store should carry it. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, yeah. So the record is called uh, Death is the Thing with Feathers. Mm-hmm. And the record label is uh, Translation Loss Records. So I guess my first thing is congrats on the new record. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, um, I had the pleasure of getting to hear, you know, there's been, there's three songs as we're recording this right now. There's like three singles mm-hmm. that have gone up um, on the streaming sites. And, um, but it's 10 song record. So, like I said, you'll get to hear the whole thing. So I guess first talk a little bit about um, like the genesis of the band, like who, who started it. And cause on the record, it's just the two of you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and you went up to uh, Kurt, God, uh, God city mm-hmm. uh, with, with Kurt Ballou, uh, who yeah. is like a fucking wizard. He's um, great. I mean, he just, so, you know, that's a whole other conversation. Um, so yeah, just talk about that because this is your first release, right? There was no other, yeah, no EP, no demo. We did. Yeah. It was kind of kicking around for a little while as a different thing, and and it just wasn't gelling. And we we kind of put that thing to bed, and that that did have a demo, but it was very very different. And then it was laid dormant for a while because I had twins, I had kids, so I took about five years off of music, um, and then I I just reached this point where you know. I knew I was going to go back to it and I just hit my breaking point where I started to, you know, lose my mind. Cause I hadn't, you know, I'm 47 and I hadn't stopped playing music for more than like two months since I was probably 14. Um, you know, I'd been in bands or playing with other people collaborating or putting out records or touring. And so the time off was great because it made me completely um, reconfigure my my relationship to music and it made me uh, rediscover my love of music as well as um, the kind of stuff that I wanted to create. So um, I always wanted, knew that I wanted to play with Drew because he and I had collaborated before in a band called Godfire's Man with Artie Shepard. Um, and I think that 
Uh, of all the drummers uh, I've played in, not to you know make you blush, Drew. Um, I, I, but you, but you're the most musical. You know what I mean. I think that that you you are the easiest to collaborate with because a, you know, you're up for it, and b, uh, you just you have the most musical ear. So as far as arranging and where things are going and, and how we're how we're creating, it's really your your pleasure to to work with and play off of. And so that was um, sort of the easiest thing to do. And because I think. I'd taken the break. I don't know if I was ready to get back into a, a full band. So it was just the two of us um, right. because we just found that that formula works and we were able to write together, write together uh, what I yeah. think is really well. And everything started with the genesis of, um, of drum beats. You know, we would listen to the meters or we would listen to Funkadelic or we'd just listen, we'd listen to something for a while, let it sink into our heads and then, you know, get that groove T-Rex and then write, um, from that after, you know, get, get inspired by those sounds. So after, uh, about a year and a half of playing, we, we, we had it written and I called up, um, Kurt cause he's an old pal from high school and I made several records with him and I wanted to, he was the right guy for this project for sure. And, uh, we were set to record and then, um, the pandemic happened and everything got thrown out the window. So, you fast forward a year later and then we were able to go up in the middle of winter up to God city for about a week and record. And, um, Drew and I play everything on the record and except for there's some keyboards by, um, our friend, uh, Justin Williams. We kind of finished the record, gave them to him and said, throw some keyboards on this and synth. You got a week and a half and he did a great job. Um, and now the record is done and now we have a full band, which is, uh, myself, Drew, Chris Enriquez, who's the drummer for On the Might of Princes, plays bass. And um, Justin Williams, who, talk about a rev connection, so On the Might of Princes, Justin was in Gracer as well, and he plays uh, keyboards. So uh, the band's first show is going to be at St. Vitus with Lovelorn from Philly, your hometown. Yeah, my, fr- uh, that's, my old friend Patrick is, uh, is, is in the band. He went to school with me. So. Awesome. Oh, right. So by the so time this comes out, the the that show will have happened. Yeah. So, right. Um, yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. Small world. So there it is in a nutshell. That's, yeah. That's how so so the band, the 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 actual live band is all Rev alumni. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So the 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 web continues. <laughs> yeah. That is a, that is quite um, the spider web because yeah. usually yeah, when I, we have these, it's not. It's usually one or two people. You got all. Yeah. No, no, no. We were ready for you this time. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, okay, let's make, we know where it went. It's coming for us. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I knew from playing Godfire's band that, uh, that I really enjoyed playing with Joe uh, between our interplay with guitar and drums. There was definitely a musicality to it that I think, even though we knew things at at one point were very, were getting more difficult with that band that in the, in the future we had spoken, Hey, it would be great to work on something together because again, mm-hmm. to reciprocate, I think that, that there is like a musicality between the, the two of us. That's fairly easy to create. Um, so, you know, again, it took a while after, cause you need a break when the, a band, the demise of a band definitely breeds, you know, all these different emotions. So we took a break and then in the early incarnation of Judas knife, you know, Joe gave me a call. I was like, can you come in? Like we, the original drummer is gone and, come in and do stuff and it was great um to an extent but it was it was very like loosely woven um and when that 
actually was just kind of fell through the cracks because, you know, life happens and, and Joe had, had, uh, twins and a uh, guitar player had, had a kid. Um, we took time and I did other things, but I was thrilled when Joe was like, I want to start doing stuff again because, you know, I felt like there was definitely an untapped reserve of the way we play together that I wanted to continue. And I had certain aspects of my drumming that I thought I could bring to the project that weren't always stuff I could use with other bands. Mm. Um, I think there's some more like sort of asymmetrical uh, type of drumming, like on a track, the opening track lumbering giant that I couldn't really use. Maybe I could with into another or something like that, but it's definitely different. It's a more, there's more of a streamlined aspect to it, even though there's a jaggedness. And then, you know, like Joe said, we would listen to just, we had things in mind that were just sympathetic that we would say, let's try working on something that has this and try to pull together a cohesive, you know, uh, picture from it. And something that was definitely a moody picture because we wanted to have something with like a, a darker moody revive and i think the record definitely encapsulates that yeah i was gonna say like in in listening to the whole thing it's it's got this dark you know a little post-punk mm-hmm. like you said in the synths the synths are really tastefully done like it's not overdone they're kind of almost like mi- like mixed in there i don't want to say mixed low but like they're just they kind of just beef up the the rhythm and the guitar um yeah when I heard, when I listened, I was like, in a weird way, it reminds me of like, almost like what I could have seen into another after Seamless. Like, sure. you know, this, the, the, the record that people refer to as what soul control. Right. Like, I, I have heard like, that to an, an aspect of that, which, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's, uh, I, I'm proud of that aspect. I mean, it is like one, one fourth of that band or now one fifth, but um, you know, so I, I think, you know, as an extension of, of that stuff, you know, I, I said earlier that I don't think that there were a lot of bands that I could encompass that aspect of my drumming with. And definitely Joe is a good partner and foil to bring out that side of things and, and is, you know, a creative force in his own right for that aspect. So, yeah. So Joe, you went to, you went to school with Kurt Ballou? Well, we had, we we knew each other around the same time. So he was he's from the Merrimack Valley, and I'm from Worcester. And then his I used to have this like in the '90s. I had this epic emo math metal band called called Stricken for Catherine. We were trying to basically be Rodan. We just wanted you know, and Slint. We wanted to be these like ridiculously long songs. And one of those bands where you think everybody's paying attention to the music as much as you are, and they're not. And we weren't that good. So I mean, we were ambitious, but um, we played some shows with. Huguenots, which was his one of his old bands, and I loved them. I was like, "You guys are just fantastic!" and and that's where we met. We met at a show um, and became fast friends. Um, and used to write letters back and forth to each other when I was living up in New Hampshire. And he's actually, you know, I actually just talked to him up quite a bit because he's 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 impetus for a lot of things um, that I don't think he gets credit for, um, especially from the Merrimack Valley. I think the Cave In guys, the Piebald guys. He was a year or two older he would grab them and sort of be like, Hey guys, let's do a band. And I think that, I don't think those, that uh, those folks would make records or think that they could play shows or think they could maybe tour if it wasn't for him. Um, he's a quietly, um, inspirational guy. And I think because he's so, um, industrious himself, 
uh, it's inspiring and you want to do stuff too. You know, you, 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 you hang out with him. You're like, Oh man, what are you working on? You just read a children's book. Fuck, maybe I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is really infectious in that way. The, the positivity. Um, and that's got to help with recording too. I mean, it's great. If you have somebody there that's going to, you know, help kind of hype you up and get you focused. Well, Um, I also knew he was the right guy for it. You know, every, every project, um, I, I like dichotomies and I, I like juxtaposition. If I had a metal band, I wouldn't record with Kurt. Um, just because I, I know everybody knows what that would sound like. That'd be a little color by numbers. Like, you know, um, I want to hear Kurt do a non-metal band. That to me is neat. Um, yeah. I would He's love to hear, yeah, yeah, I would love to hear Jay Robbins do a metal band. You know what I mean? Like, because he never does metal bands. So I think that that juxtaposition is cool. And I also knew that he and I, like Drew and I had a similar vocabulary where we could talk about an idea and get an idea rolling and sort of, you know, flesh it out. Um, and it was interesting too. And I'd never, you know, I never made a record where outside of the drums and playing everything. So that was, you know, a bit of a challenge to go in there and be like, all right, okay. Every day, you know, you, we, you live above the studio. So like we went to the studio and we, we stay upstairs and then, you know, we would, We'd wake up, come downstairs with coffee, you know, and, and record for eight hours and then go upstairs, you know, have dinner together. And then I, then I'd work. I'm like, what are we doing tomorrow? And I'd write bass lines, you know, um, to the scratch tracks that I had. And so it's really, um, an all encompassing experience to record up there, which was a blast. Um, I also think it was, it was pretty musically organic because one of the things, uh, that sometimes it works in your favor and other times it, it depends on who you're working with, but it was mm-hmm. definitely a, a quick uh, project where sometimes, you know, people labor over stuff for such a long period of time. And we worked on the skeletons for these songs over the course of like, you know, a year when we can get together. But I mean, there was a lot of, for me, like I definitely felt a lot of, you know, just a, a kind of a bit of, stress going in because during this whole period of COVID I'm like locked into an apartment. And I can't play drums and mm. I got like nine songs and I got, you know, a very limited time to do it. And I think it was a very organic process of like, let's move through this. And it's a kind of a, a test of yourself and your musicality to say like, okay, you know, I need to like get this in a couple of takes and, you know, try to be, you know, move along with this. And I hadn't worked with Kurt. I, I really enjoyed the experience of working with him. And, you know, I loved the the drum sounds he got and I felt like, but I was definitely like trying to be a watchdog over my own tracks and, and cut stuff as quick as possible. Uh, and I think, you know, that was on Joe's back too. Like, so there's definitely like an immediacy with this record that there's things about it. Like if I could go back, like a lot of records, I would, I would say, God, do I, I'm not sure I like that. But the one thing I will say for it is that like, I was, I probably cut like the nine songs in like two days, basically. Yeah. And and Joe as well. You know, we were doing it at a very quick tempo. Uh, well, not not BPMs, but Mm -hmm. the pacing of the recording was, was fast. Right. And there's, Absolutely. cause there's one, there's the one song that's just, there's, there's no drums on it. Cause he, uh, that's the only one. Yeah. That was yeah. the only, the first I was like nine songs. And I'm like, Oh yeah. There's a song with just the piano exactly. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so well, you said this was your first time working with Kurt when you guys wrote these songs, would you, cause I know, did you practice like during the pandemic or was everything done? Like, 
Hey, here's some riff ideas. What do you think? Like send, you know, like, like they do nowadays, sending files back and forth. Not yeah. so much. We would, we would come down. So I, I moved upstate, pardon me, my family upstate during the pandemic, I had the opportunity uh, to, and I did, and it's better for my kids. So uh, I still, I own a wine shop in Williamsburg. So I still come down every five or six weeks to do tastings and, um, you know, pick the stock, write the descriptions of the wines that are going to be on the shelves. So I'm down there and, you know, we, we would get into a practice schedule and we, um, which wasn't very often. Yeah. But a lot of these things were skeletons and mm-hmm. Drew had a lot of trust in me that I knew where things were going. And I think there were probably two thirds, no, more like half the record. You had no idea what the vocals were. You had no, right. no idea what the bass lines were. Right. Um, you know, we were just writing these skeletons. skeletons. Um, you know, we knew the, the, the foundation of the song, the ABC parts for sure. And when to have it lift up, but, um, what the other stuff that was going to go on top was kind of written. I had rough ideas, but it wasn't until we got in the studio that I was like, okay, that's what's going to, the baseline is going to be, you know, like one of my favorite baselines, for example, is, um, hit it, hit it and hit it. And that was written half an hour before, you know, we played the song. Um, we you would have no idea listening to the record. Like to me, the record sounds like a full band that that rehearsed, nailed the songs, and went in. So that's a definitely Fantastic. a testament to the both of you for, and and to yeah, her. Thanks. Like yeah, because it sounds like coffee. yeah, like it yeah. sounds like uh, it sounds like you know a fully realized band. I think in a way, I think if we had written everything um, before we went in, if we weren't kind of flying by the seat of our pants, I think it would sound more sterile. I think yeah. that one of the reasons it, it has a, that freshness or, or sort of vibe about it is because I kind of like recording like that where it's not all done because w- what ends up happening is you get a real snapshot in time. You get a quote unquote record. It's a record of a moment in time. Um, if we had a full band and we'd been rehearsing those songs and playing them out, they would be totally different. Yeah, um, that's for sure. N- maybe better, maybe worse, but they'd be totally different where this is a, that record is like a, a record I'm immensely proud of. Um, one of, if not the most proud of record pride, pride I've had pride, prideness. I'm not going to think about that. The most proud I've been of. You ever say a word so much that then the more you say the word, it sounds I think weird. It's wrong. Yeah. Created before. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, um, I'm really proud of the record. And I think the thing that, about it that I enjoyed so much is the, the fact that it is a little bit like, oh, like I would listen back to a song and be like, oh God, yeah, what happens here? Oh, that guitar, that's right. We did that guitar there. Cool. Oh, there's that vocal. I forgot that I did that vocal. And it has that, that vibe, that seat of your pants vibe, which I really like. I like things. Yeah, to that's a, I think it's yeah. interesting because I think it's, um, you know, an experiment in terms of what personal taste is these days because it is a, a very like, you know, fly by night uh, recording process. Mm. And I don't know, you know, sometimes like we live in an age now where there's so much production and, and so much goes into like doing records that people's ears develop differently in terms of how they hear things. Um, you know, and some people I think get to a place where like, oh, you know, I like it when it's just like, like Joe saying, like, you know, um, things move quickly and it sounds a little more stripped down and like these ideas come together quicker because there's something very organic about that. It's not like you're spending weeks at a time producing it, but there is an aspect to it where I think that people expect to hear large scale, like at least like a lot of time given to this. So I'm curious, you know, down the line, I'm, I'm interested to, to see where people's ears go with this mm. record, you know, because I find that 
some things hold up and people appreciate the, that aspect and other people, time, you know, with, it, does it withstand the test of time or do people go like, you know, they didn't put any time into this and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So no one, basically, one one is say that happy this one. Yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, if we're like, I always say to Joe, it's like, if, you know, if we're fucking happy with it, then I mean, to me, that's, that's what really is like the most important thing. I don't, I'm not really like doing this. So like I can move the units or some shit like that at this point, mm. you know, I mean, I never was, but especially nowadays, it's even less that way. I just feel like I want to create uh, music for, with my, with the people that I love playing music with. And if, if I'm happy with it and they're happy with it, then that's great. Maybe other people will be too, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. So how did you guys, I, I had never heard of the label, um, translation loss records they're out of philly uh, they're based out of philly man you gotta they? get on the streets i know i gotta i yeah. gotta do my as i gotta do my homework um do they have a lot of re- like i i ordered this record yeah. but like i don't know if they have other releases they've been, they've been a label for about 20 years um for, for the, real yeah, yeah christian and drew that own the label um used to work for relapse um, for okay. a while. And Drew, I think actually Drew still does a lot of the artwork and design for Relapse. And um, they just decided they wanted to do their own thing. And I think it started um, kind of slowly. I think the first eight or 10 years, um, you know, they were doing it, but it wasn't sort of full on. Now they put out, um, they put out, I think, two records a month. Um, wow, that's, yeah. yeah, they, they've got a great schedule. They mostly do, um, a lot of really darker metal, um, uh, and, and post-rock stuff. A lot of like, um, sort of epically long dreary, which I love, um, kind of records, a really cool band from Australia called Lost at Sea, um, giant squid, um, some really like that, that very, very dark, like the, uh, the, the, the metal fans metal. Do you know what I okay. mean? There's nothing, there's nothing, um, sort of metal core about it. It's, it's like, it's like people that are really into this, like dark sort of elongated stuff. Um, and he, let me think, I sent the record to Randy from cable. Who's somebody I've known forever as well from, from new England. Cause I was just like, Hey man, I don't know. I've been out of this world for a little while. I don't know where this belongs. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I used, there used to be a time when I had my finger on the pulse and I knew everything like that, right. there, that would be good there. That's Jade Tree record. That's a doghouse record. You know, that's a revelation record. And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, Oh, my buddy, um, does Christian does translation loss. Let me send it to him. He gave me a call and he was like, what do you think? And I was like, yep, let's do it. And from when we said yes, to when the pre-order went up was two months because we, this isn't our first rodeo. So we'd done all our homework. We knew, you know, it was mastered. The artwork was done. Um, the photographs had been done. Um, it was mastered for vinyl as well as streaming. And I just sent it to him and I was like, you know, basically finished product. Do you want to put this out? Yeah, I've never and, seen anybody uh, get stuff to uh, send and done as fast as shows. It was amazing. It was like, it just, it's one of those things where you realize like you get the right guy and uh, not so many cooks. And it's like, man, you can get shit done fast in this world. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking now through the, um, through the discogs mm-hmm. and I see they did a cable record, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, a couple stark weather. So there's stuff fight amp. We're a band from our area. Um, so yeah, and actually a lot they of did some metal small. I'm terrible with like those small beard or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
there, a lot of releases. I'm looking at a lot of records. A Bloodlet, I think they did a yeah, and really beautiful. The thing, the thing that, um, and the reason I wanted to work with them is because their vinyl is gorgeous. I mean, you being a record collector and a vinyl geek yourself, like it's they were so into the packaging and so into mm-hmm. the the look of it, the feel of it. And I mean, I knew it was going to be 180 gram, and it was going to be gorgeous vinyl that looked like the packaging. You know, it's the kind of thing where you're, I was talking about this with you, Drew, the other day, like I'm at a point where I want to collaborate in the same way that I want to collaborate with Drew. I want to collaborate with the record label. You know, I want to, I want to, we're making art at the end of the day, you know, um, not to sound pretentious, but we are. And I want to be able to talk to somebody who's on the same page. And I've worked with a lot of different record labels where I haven't felt like, I felt like we were making, a, um, you know, a, a commercial endeavor which is fine, but that's what we were doing. Uh, we, the point was to sell records where the point here just felt we're making a piece of art. If people like it, cool. If they don't, cool. It's fine. And I just really thought they were the right people for this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the mock-up or whatever it was for, looks awesome. And it like, it's crazy. I know. Yeah. Like, you know, cause you got to think at the end of the day now in 2021, where, I mean, even at the beginning of this, I'm like saying, hey, the record's out today. You can stream it, you know, mm-hmm. and there's going to be, you know, out of the hundred, you know, out of the the hundred percent of people that stream your record, mm-hmm. not a hundred or now I'm a, not not 100 percent of the people that stream your record are going to buy a physical. Absolutely. Copy, right. Very like small just, percentage of that. Yeah. Sure. Like, and, and that's for any artist. Right. Um, you know, large or small. So at the end of the day, the thing is, what can I do, like you said, working with the label to make something worthwhile where someone will be like, yo, I'm not just happy with streaming this on Spotify. Like, look at how this thing looks. Like, I want to, you know, I want to hold it in my hand. I want to be able to put it on the turntable. And that's what I love when there's care put. Because, yeah, sometimes records come out. It's like, oh, there's no insert. There's no this. It's Mm. just and then it is kind of like, well, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it, there, it, vinyl is a medium that, you know, it was, uh, you know, at, at, uh, for a large part of musical history was so incredibly, it was all encompassing. It was the most mm-hmm. important thing. And I love that it's come back to being something that, you know, people have started to fawn over again and try to outdo each other in terms of like manufacturing. And I, I was blown away when, uh, when Joe sent me like, um, some of the stuff that they had done, I was like, Oh my God, this is like the most beautiful vinyl. Like as, as a standalone, whether you like the music or not, you know, I'm expecting to hear, well, you know, whatever you want to say for the music, you know, the vinyl looks good. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's right. really pretty incredible, you know, seeing some of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that they give that attention because, you know, artists, you know, hopefully give that kind of attention to the music. So it's nice that when a label gives back that way with the manufacturer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that we've talked about on here before. I think the best labels are the ones that are run by people that understand that, Mm -hmm. that are record collectors, that Mm -hmm. are, uh, artists, um, you know, like to, we've done um, uh, spots for my friend has a label called Hell Minded Records. Yeah, I know. Um, and you know they put out the Last Shades Apart album, mm-hmm. and then Shameless Plug, like they're doing the One Up discography. 
Um, and it was awesome working with someone that collects records. So they knew like, Hey, let's do this many, you know, on this color and this many on this color and look how this, the, the color of the vinyl matches the art. Like I've never worked with somebody like that before that put that much care into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it sounds like that's what translation loss uh, is too. Like they actually care about the finished, you know, it's not just like, okay, cool. We signed you. So yeah, we'll press the record and that's it. Like, you know, they know that it's going to be something that is important to people. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the things like, um, one of the things sort of reinvig- reinvigorated my, my love of music, because I think for a long time I fell into a trap that a lot of people fall into it, where I was a bit bitter that I wasn't more popular or famous or successful. Um, and, and really sort of like placing that blame outward <laughs> rather than inward and being like, maybe my songs suck. Um, is, <laughs> is, uh, you know, is rather than play that game is I worked for the manifestation of my midlife crisis, right? I got, I didn't buy a Ferrari. I got a job at a record store. So I got one shift a week. I worked at limited to one records in the Lower East Side, which is I'm oh, nice. East, Village, yeah. East Village. Uh, and I just called Christian. I'm like, dude, I, I want to, I've never worked at a record store, but I want to work every Wednesday night. And he's like, great. Um, he's like, I know you, I own all your records. Come on in. And it was so much fun to, have your job be, you know, once a week, people come in and they basically talk about music and they talk about music in a way that, that I used to talk about music with my friends in high school. It wasn't like, Oh, they're crazy live or la la la. They're like, Oh my God, did you hear track three? The way, the way it starts. And you could tell that you're talking to somebody that gets chills the same way you get chills when that record starts or when that moment happens. And that was really nice. And I think to see that not only, um, in somebody who's a peer like Christian, um, but also the kids that would come into the store, people in their, their twenties, they were also super excited about music. And I'd be like, Oh, tell me what you're listening to. Start throwing stuff at me. You know, I started to listen to more and more stuff and I'd be like, Oh God, great. And I started rediscovering things. And I really feel in a lot of ways, like I'm 15 again. And the like music is like this mammoth thing. I'm not, I'm not bored. I am, you know, I, I I'm not overwhelmed and I'm not bitter and jaded. I'm more like, I love sounds and I love sounds that my friends make. And I love like Jeff Caudill just had a new record uh, called uh, old blood. And I like, Oh, it's great. Isn't it? It was so like, to me, like that's, that's bigger than like the new Foo Fighters record. I don't care about that. I want that new Jeff Caudill record. Like I I'm just so jazzed when my friends put out records. Um, And because I also feel like I'm fortunate enough to have really talented friends. Um, And, you know, Drew is right now playing with death cults, death cults, phenomenal. Their first record is great. I can't wait to hear what they do next. You know, it's like pilots gunner. I can't, I've heard their new record. It's fucking amazing. Like I, it's so exciting. And I think that it's so, I feel so fortunate to be, I've never been one to look back and be like, Oh man, you know, when I was in high school, those were the days. That yeah. was the best music, my my high school, college days. Bullshit. There's such amazing stuff coming out right now. It really is, uh, man. I was just having I this conversation. It. I mean, there's like, you know, uh, just listening to stuff like the, the new Bronx record that's coming out, mm-hmm. the Quicksand record that's coming out. Oh, God. You know, again, like, oh, the like, Quicksand. You know, the, that right. one. All, this, all this stuff that's like, I feel like... Uh, um, the turnstile record's amazing. Like there's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that I feel like, 
Um, it's, you know, in, in the pipeline or, or that I'm amazed was created over the last year with everything that's gone on or last year and a half to see so much amazing stuff. And I, I feel like that, you know, the nice thing is like it, music deserves like every once in a while, like, like a, a resurgence in a, a new zeitgeist. And I feel like, um, a positivity towards a lot, like Joe was saying, towards a lot of the the stuff that's coming out that I haven't felt since maybe like more like the early aughts. And I think that we're, you know, you need a, a cycle to rejuvenate uh, the creativity mm-hmm. of uh, whatever medium artistically you're in, whether it could be cinema or literature or, you know, whatever, you know, television and music certainly is true to that. So I, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear so many amazing things. And it also helps, like, I think as an artist, it goes, it gives you a kick in the ass and goes, man, if if you want to keep going, you can't be complacent. You have to try to really um, adjust yourself to the time you're in. Cause there's a lot of fucking good people out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's cool that you guys are, you know, doing new stuff, but you know, you still like, I know drew in your case, like into another, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll still play and, Sure. write new stuff and uh joseph is i know garrison had the reissues are, are you guys will there be any more on that front that you can yeah say i mean or? we did we did a reissue on iodine records um of the Ben before the break the first ep we're probably going to do a mile in cold water i'm talking to kurt about remixing it right now um because he did that record back in 2000 um it's great i love the old stuff i'm happy that i can that people still care enough to listen to it but it's also nice to be super excited about now, you know? I agree. Um, and it's it just sure. funny. Like I just, I texted Chris and he sent it to Sergio about how I actually don't want to listen to the quicksand record much more than I already have, because I know everyone's going to be copping that record for the next five fucking years. Everyone's going to be trying to do that record. So I don't want to sound like I'm trying to do that record because I love it so much, but it's just so good. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that like, it's, I'm, it's awesome that people pay attention to the old stuff. It's, it's incredibly humbling. Um, but man, the new stuff is where it's at. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I, that's the thing. Like, again, to just to reiterate the point, I think when you start seeing uh, a plethora of, of these amazing uh, works that people artistically are coming out with, it, it, it lights that fire into your ass to go like, look, like what, like how far into my past am I going to reach or try to work, you know, continue to, to stoke that when, you know, if you really want to kind of keep going and create in this realm, you, you want to try to be contemporary on some aspect and whether you can do that one of your old bands uh, there's not a lot of bands that can do that. So, you know, I think it's important to, like Joe saying to reinvent. I think that's really, um, for me, it's been, you know, an emphatic point throughout the course of my career, sometimes not always for the better. I wish I had stuck with things longer or been able to, but I've certainly gone through, uh, a, a large catalog of bands at this point. And, and that's always been because I'm driven to create new stuff. And I think that's, that's healthy. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, it's, if it's still exciting for you and keeps you, you know, keeps you just growing. Right. Hey, yeah, why absolutely. not? So yep. have you guys had rehearsals yet as a full band? I'm assuming mm-hmm. obviously, right? Because oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, the, the we're all, yeah, I can't believe we're already in days, September. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what's that been like? Now, that's got to be kind of cool to see the, like, kind of make things come to life in full. Yeah. Well, those guys are incredibly cool. talented too. I mean, yeah. like, 
besides me and Joe, like uh, Chris Enriquez and Justin Williams are, you know, are incredibly talented people. So it's a pleasure that they said, yes, we will, you know, we want to work with you guys and, and do this. And it's, it's been absolutely painless to try to get uh, uh, stuff done in rehearsals for a show. It's fun. It's when you're working with good people and uh, that you can trust and have a good time with, you know, that's the biggest thing too, I think is, is, as a vocalist and, and somebody who had, you know, played these instruments on the record to, to know that Chris Enriquez plays bass better than I do, to know that Justin William plays keys better than I do, that, that I can just rely on them to, to, to get those bases covered and, and focus more on what I need to do, you know, right. to, the right. trust that, to know that, you know, um, to know that Drew's got our backs, like we're not, we're not going to lose the tempo. Like we got like the foundation is solid. And so that, and that's one of the things too, like playing, you know, to go off on a tangent, like why we tend to play um, with, for example, everyone's, you know, been on Revelation. It's not necessarily that they've been on Revelation. It's the fact that as you age, your peer group dwindles. And so, you know, certain people, and I'm sure you've spoken to a bunch of people, like, especially in those early hardcore bands that, that stopped playing music. Right. Um, you know, went on to do other things in their life that were, that gave them the same, you know, experience or, or, or a needed experience. Um, and I've played with a few, quite a few different musicians over my life, but the ones that sort of most, um, that I get the most sort of feedback from in a, in a positive way are the ones that have had similar touchstones and therefore we have a similar vocabulary. So not only has, have all the band members put out international records, they've toured and they've toured a lot and they've played squats and they played basements and they played clubs and they played arenas and they played festivals and they've been, you know, had like major labels talking to them and done the whole LA thing and gotten signed in that jazz and they made really expensive videos and then they've made shitty videos that like somebody might have a copy of on VHS. You know, it's like that whole gamut is so, that's what makes it easy for us to talk to because we have that similar vocabulary and we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's like, uh, it's a path that makes everything you just said, Joe, I think it makes, if you've had all that experience under your belt, you also are an easier person to work with. Um, because you, you, you're not coming from a place that's just, Hey, I, I, I went from like, you know, zero to one twenty, just like that. I never experienced like all this mm. other stuff. And most of our peer group has done a lot, all that stuff, you know? Um, and, and it definitely makes it easier to work in that element. Yeah. You're not coming from a place of like naivety either. Right. Like mm -hmm. of just being like, like, you know, you kind of can know what's best for your band and for your brand and be like, yeah, this, you know, maybe playing on this tour, whereas normally maybe a young person who's wet behind the ears would just immediately say, yes. Yeah, we'll do it. You guys, I think would have the, the kind of foresight and experience to like way out, like, well, is this something we should do? Is this not something we should do? Maybe. Then there's the idea that after all the experience and foresight, maybe we should never tour again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask. What's, what's the future? You have We're really, really smart, Greg. We yeah. fucking never do it again. <laughs> Just play one show. It'll be legendary. That's be like, it, man. It'll that's be right. like the, uh, the alone in a crowd of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Post. Right to spring only play like 17 shows or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and all in D I think all in DC except one. I think they played like 
Michigan or Chicago. Lightweights. Yeah. Fucking lightweights. <laughs> so will there no, be I more mean, shows though? More shows? Oh yeah, yeah, there will be. Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I, I actually think that one of the things that's been most exciting about getting the new guys in is um, it's not a sterile live performance. We're not going to be reproducing the record on stage. Right. The song, the songs are going to be there, but there's going to be different arrangements. There's going to be, there's going to be an organic sort of give and take. I mean, you're, you're, you're hopefully watching um, some musicians have, have a conversation. It's not a jazz band, you know, we're not, no one's getting up there and being <clears throat> ice burn. Um, uh, or the, there's only one ice burn. There's only one yeah. ice burn. Yeah. Does he still play the sitar, the electric sitar? Um, but yeah, there is only one ice burn, but you know, my point is, is it, is it like, it's, I have a feeling that every night is going to be new. And the more we play, the more that conversation is going to grow. And I want to see where it goes. Right. And so that's another sort of endeavor that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully you guys can play around here. I mean, New York, New York's not too far, but I don't think I'll be able to get there on a, what is a Friday night? No, we'll come back. I think we'll already, we actually might, Translation Lost might do, a, um, for the 20th anniversary, they might do like a festival in Philly. So we might come down. I wouldn't be surprised if we're there. I mean, you know, uh, COVID allowing, if we'll probably be down there maybe in springtime. I, I can't yeah. say why we wouldn't be. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. I'll be awesome. there. Yeah. But yeah, guys, I just, you know, right. I wanted to thank you so much for, for talking Likewise. about the record. Um, yeah. Like Likewise. I said, people should check it out. You know, take a taste on the streaming, but yeah, buy the it. damn, Never. just buy the damn thing. Yeah, listen to it loud. Listen to it loud, you know? it loud in less than pants, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Listen to it loud in the dark in your room. Dance. Yeah, right. like, like you know, b- buy it. Translation lost records, um, and you know, enjoy the nice packaging and because, like you said, a lot of thought. It looks tasty. The vinyl looks like it's yeah. It looks it looks confectionery. <laughs> yeah, and well, like you Enjoy said, it. it's the it's the whole package. It's not just you created these songs to put them online. And sometimes there's a place for that. Like you know, hey, I'm doing a new project. I recorded six songs. I'm putting them on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Design a yeah. little cover, and that's it. But like this, this yeah. is meant to be listened to like an album. And the best way to listen to that is having a physical copy. So thank you, brother. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Right on. Well, thank you, Good guys. Good talking to you. Okay.